name, I guess. No last name. Got it. And let me mute my other phone, actually. Yeah, because you know you got two phones. <laughs> one for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> what the other one for? Oh, you can't say that. You got a relationship now, ain't you? Are you in a relationship now with with the guy? I am. Ooh. Yeah, it's going really well. All yeah, right. so far so good. It'll be over tomorrow, but so far so good. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know? at least you're aware of the reality of that. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Welcome to something positive for positive people. I'm Courtney Brain. Something positive for positive people is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people who are struggling with herpes stigma to mental health resources. I am Courtney Brain. And I, did I say I'm Courtney Brain? Did I already say that? Damn, I'm tripping. I just woke up. I took a nap before our uh, podcast. It's been a really, really long day. So I woke up at my Pacific time, 5 a.m. Uh, didn't mean to. I tried to go back to sleep. I think I just kind of laid there till 6. Got up, made my oatmeal, and went to the gym, worked out, came back. And um, when I got home... I was planning to have a call with one of my board members, but Planned Parenthood had called me and I reached out to Planned Parenthood in three different ways. I DM'd them, I called them and left a voicemail and I uh, sent an email through something and someone called me like the next day. So they asked me about, you know, why I reached out and I originally just wanted to interview someone from there here in Portland. But since they called, I was like, yeah, let's work together. And I started presenting all these ideas. So I was on the phone with them for about 45 minutes and we just chatted about what something positive for positive people is what's happened so far um and it's the one here in portland it's not like the national one it's not the one back home um and gotta start somewhere oh yeah for sure um but yeah they were very interested in what i had to say so we'll see what comes to that because it's yeah like i'm kind of establishing roots here in portland and that would be a great organization to work with especially given what it is that i'm doing and then right after yeah, that no i had to talk to a board member about things and i think a lot of my day has been like connecting with my board members because i now need my board members to be more involved than i've had them be in the past so um we're just kind of like i don't want to say cleaning house but just making sure that there's no internalized stigma within the board that like you and i talked about before like me in relationships not being able to really talk about what my day really looks like as far as what i do for something positive for positive people with the family members and friends of partners who um who their family don't know that they have herpes. It's kind of like the same thing with my board. Some members have herpes, some members don't. And for the ones who do, there may be an issue with stigma if someone finds out. So I tried to take this shift into focusing more on mental health, more on STIs rather than just herpes so that it created like a, a smoke screen for connecting people to serving on this board or being a part of this organization and having herpes. So, um, okay. yeah, that's Smart. been what the days looked like. So, um, yeah, I'm, I want to get back to, you know, what we do and what this is. Like, while it's less broad to only speak to serving people with herpes, like, that's exactly who we serve. Like, everyone who's been through therapy <laughs> has herpes. Everyone who's been on the podcast, for the most part, outside of the professionals um, and STD prevention and some of the mental health people I've had come on and 
share about like things um, in relation to relationships and authors like outside of that everybody on here has herpes so I'm done trying to hide it and I get to be louder about it if I have the support of my board and um, yeah just moving to Portland was something that helped me disconnect from anything that would have held me back from being able to be myself and be loud about what it is that I do and be proud about it. Well, I could see why that would cause some some issues and some growing pains is, is that stigma holding other people back who want to be involved but don't necessarily want to be associated almost. Is, I could see why that would be so something that you need to work through. But you're still you still have national or worldwide reach, right? You're not just solely focusing on growing it in Portland. Right. So the whole thing about just being in Portland is more so to create like this space for myself to where I can continue to have that global reach. Like I tell people I moved here to run my nonprofit because it was just the easy thing to say to the people around me but I moved here for me <laughs> like yeah. I like being here I like who I get to be here like not having to say face I mean for where you are like you're familiar with this kind of living being in a conservative space that you you know live in uh very similar to where I lived in St. Louis it was just like I I am in a very like a weird it's a weird space between like the expectations of me having been someone from St. Louis living in St. Louis and then on top of being uh, all of the compounding identities and um, traumas even that come together to mold up my existence not really feeling like I fit in there so why not go somewhere where nobody fits in therefore everybody fits in and Portland just being weird you know it, it I gravitated <laughs> towards it so yeah this was my this is, this is home now wow well I'm proud of you that's all I can say <laughs> thank you I appreciate that but I'm, I'll miss you I'll miss you being here oh, it'll and be yoga fun. I guess we could do a zoom yoga oh like, yeah <laughs> So uh, I teach classes on Wednesday and Thursday now at what would be your 8 p.m. Central Time. So anybody who's listening and wants to take a yoga class, it's $5, it's 30 minutes, and it's virtual. And for the month of January, it's going to be Wednesday and Thursday. Um, If you're listening to this beyond that, check in with me because I'm going to still teach these yoga classes. (laughs) It's just a matter of what days and times I'll be doing that. All right, so enough about me. We got to go into your experience so you completed 12 sessions of therapy with uh one of the something positive for positive people therapists that we work with and i'm curious before i ask any specific questions what was your experience like just whatever it is that you want to share it was great and i I, it was really what i needed at the time um And she really gave me the tools that I needed to navigate a new diagnosis, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't thank you enough for connecting me with her because I think it would have been challenging to find somebody, um, you know, who, who can really 
I don't know. She she was special. Is all I could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you picked a good one for me. <laughs> yeah, I tried to because I know that in some cases some therapists haven't been a match, and I don't think this is something that I've been able to speak to before. But um, there are different strokes for different folks, and I felt like the therapist that I paired you with, there were a lot of um, like I know this therapist personally. And then I've, I've been around you enough to know, all right, well, I know enough about you to make sure that this is a fit for you. So um, whenever I do connect people to a therapist, I try to have some kind of a rapport built with them here, um, where they are in their diagnosis, what else is going on in their lives, um, what, and, and just really try to hear what they need outside of what they're saying, but also like the things that aren't being said. So I can't say there was any one thing in particular that made me connect you to the therapist that I connected you with, but I am so happy that it worked out the way that it did. Now, I'm curious to know um, if you feel like having a therapist that I recommended you to was different than a therapist that you could have found on your own. Like, was there a difference there? Or do you feel like you could have gotten the same thing from any therapist? Um, well, I think her, her connection to you and knowing what you're involved with and, and the reason why you are connecting us is, is or, well, the reason why you connected her and I was because of my, my uh, diagnosis. And I was struggling working through that. Um, and I think that, I, I mean, I haven't tried to search out therapists that, you know, specialize in STD diagnosis, diagnoses. Um, but I think that that really broke down a barrier that would have been there if I were just, if I sought it out myself. So yeah, that makes sense. You working as the liaison and, and and kind of filling her in on my history before I even had to take that leap was kind of taking a little bit of the legwork out of it for me um, and making it easier for me to talk about it. Good, good. Thank you. Um, I feel like you're kind of a unique case because you're someone who struggles with stigma. I don't know if it was necessarily your diagnosis or if it was like how... Uh, potential partners would interact with you afterwards because you're you're a model right and so there's this like you're you're beautiful right so inherently having to deal with herpes stigma as someone I want to say pretty privileged for the sake of like I guess being politically correct lack um, of better words <laughs> yeah there you go um, but it, it's interesting to me that someone with pretty privilege was struggling with their diagnosis as much as you were. And I'm curious to know, is that because like you may not have experienced rejection before or is it because like you've leaned into your pretty privilege for so long and you've never had to like worry about being told no? Um, it's definitely not that I haven't had to worry about being told no. Uh, in fact, I would tend to gravitate towards the people who, who would tell me no, I think, um, which is a whole nother issue, but, um, no, I think, uh, I mean, there were the stigma, the reason. 
reason I struggled so much with the stigma, I think, is I don't I don't date a lot, and I, I I mean even previously I was really selective about who I dated, and and now the selection felt even slimmer. So quite the opposite, I think of of you know your point is um, it's not that all of a sudden my options went from a lot to a little, but I always felt like I had little options, and now it was just even a smaller pool. Um, Fortunately, I mean, after I was diagnosed, I, I have these dry spells of three years, you know, that's just common for me. I go into long-term relationships and then I, um, you know, get out of them and date a handful of people, but then go on to this like celibacy journey for years. <laughs> that's just been my routine. Um, but I was fortunate the thing that was unique about my diagnosis was um, I don't know when I contracted it. You know, I, I never figured out there was no way for me to trace back to one person really because there was so much I had been single for, um, you know, six months plus before I was diagnosed. I wasn't having sex with anybody six months plus before I was diagnosed. And I was diagnosed because I was under a lot of stress, and that's what caused the breakout to actually manifest. Um, so that was a big issue, a big hurdle for me. Is up. It's like I gave it to myself. Is, is what it felt like, you know. Um, and so moving forward, it was like, okay, how are we? I really had to sit with it and figure out how. Um, I was going to disclose when I don't really even know how my story, you know, other, this is my story, but is it a, you know, I, I don't know. I could see it just making it that more complicated than being able to say X, Y, Z, this is what happened. I really don't, can't for, for sure say how long I've had it. I could have had it. My doctor says I could have had it for 10 years, you know? And it just decided to come about um, when it did. So that was probably the largest hurdle for me was, you know, just the shock of being diagnosed with an STD after not being intimate with anybody for a very long time. So mm -hmm. I think that's what, that's what got me. <laughs> okay. And when we connected, I can't remember, was this pre-pandemic or was it during the pandemic that you found out? During the pandemic. And I think, uh, well, July, so March, April, May, June, July, about five months after the pandemic. Yeah. So started. I remember us talking about your work and how stressful that was in that time period, right? like you were you were working like a, a crazy person and <laughs> y'all were understaffed so that stress and the stress of um work compounded by the pandemic was compounded something... by a surgery i had a major surgery too on my chest so um oh i forgot so about i that. had a lot going on you know and and so yeah i mean yeah. A lot going on, but who didn't? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, speaking to 
your sessions, do you feel like 12 sessions was enough for you to get what you needed? Um, you know, I'm a big advocate for counseling and I think, um, you can never have enough. (laughs) I think it was a good, it allowed me to get a, a handle on the situation and I think it was a good starting point. Um, but I definitely think no, even just speaking for myself, I, I should continue. I should um, carry on with it. Uh, but yeah, I think I think 12 sessions was a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and me personally, I mean, she helped me through, I mean, it got to the point where we were not just talking about the herpes diagnosis. We were talking about many other things. So um I, I think, yeah, maybe it could have been enough, but you can never have too much, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so my thought process around 12 sessions has been, all right, that's three months of therapy. If you're someone who is on the fence or maybe you're unsure about it, I feel like consecutive or as close to consecutive weekly sessions is enough to make you decide, all right, you know, this is worth something. It's enough time for you to see that there is something there worth exploring or to decide if, you know, hey, you know, I've been coming here for eight weeks and I'm not getting I'm not getting anything out of it or to be able to say, huh, like I'm really liking this. I don't know that a handful of sessions would be enough to warrant any sort of uh, results, results necessarily or for yeah. you to be able to make a, a decision about it because a lot of people that I've enrolled in therapy through something positive for positive people have been people who've never had experience with therapy before they've had these misconceptions that something has to be wrong for you to go to a therapist right and even with the people who did have herpes like I let them know I don't think that herpes is going to be the thing that you talk to for 12 weeks straight <laughs> Um, even when I started therapy, herpes came up the first session and I was like, ah, no, I don't know if that's a problem. And then over time, like it came up a year and a half later as being one of the things that, um, really was impacting how, uh, I behaved with the other issues that I brought to therapy. So the parallel for me has been my relationship to rejection and my herpes diagnosis and how I handle rejection by making an effort to avoid it. So I shared that to ask you, was there anything that in your therapy sessions where um, herpes began to emerge as being like an on the surface symptom of something underneath that emotionally? Like what, what feelings did having herpes bring out for you uh, throughout your therapy sessions, if any, and you can feel free to be like none. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think the negative self-talk is, is something we addressed. And I, I mean, herpes was the catalyst for why I got into this counseling program with something positive, but like you say, I mean, we just explored so much and she gave me so many tools to combat the issues I'm having with herpes, but that also apply to other areas in life. Um, 
So the negative self-talk and trying to catch, um, you know, when you are having negative thoughts, like catch them, recognize it, correct it, you know. I think I, it started with herpes, but but there were many things that she was able to help me work through that, you know, not only applied to uh, working through that stigma, but also you can use in any situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you sense. What do you feel about the process? So it's a very loose process. It's like, you tell me you want to be in therapy. All right, cool. I've been motor therapist and I sent an email connecting you to, uh, right now I know that that's not like a sustainable thing, but because it's just me and there's so few people right now who are enrolling in therapy, I'd like to know what your experience was with, um, the ease of access and, the, um, connecting to the therapist. Couldn't be easier. Uh, you made it so easy. I mean, you, you connected us, you, you did it all. And really, I mean, once you did that, she sent me some paperwork and then I was in her office. It, it could literally could not have been easier. I didn't have to research. I didn't have to, she gave, you know, called me, introduced herself, asked if we would be meeting in person or on zoom and things like that. And it was just, it, you really streamlined it. But you're right. I don't think it would be sustainable. The larger you grow, just having one man. (laughs) Sending Venmos through, uh, (laughs) just sending Venmos. (laughs) Oh, now as far as like the communication with the therapist, because I guess like, working with me, I really don't do much. Like you reach out, I connect you and then I'm kind of out of the equation because I have to be, um, there's the, trust factor so you trust courtney to confide in and share whatever intimate parts of your life in relation to um dating relationships herpes and that trust has to now be extended to a complete stranger did you find that it was easy for you to open up and begin the process of sharing your challenges with this person I did. Um, And again, I think it has a lot to do with you being the liaison, you know, and and kind of laying the groundwork of, you know, letting her know why it is I'm seeking counseling and why it is I need help. Um, Yeah, I think I think it was easy because you made it easy, you know. Did you have any conversations? Um, you said the negative self-talk was what came up around your herpes diagnosis. Was there anything about disclosure? Was there anything about um, just like navigating your status at all? Like, I'm curious to know when it came to herpes, what came up in your sessions? Yeah, uh, disclosure was the main thing I wanted to work on with her. Um, because other than close family, you're kind of <laughs> the, the first one I disclosed to. Um, and, and, you know, you're really open about it. So it was easy to disclose to someone who has disclosed. Um, so that was one of, when I walked into her office, that's like, I was like, this is what I need. 
to know. These are the tools that I want. And she helps me write a script. I have it in my phone under notes in case I need to. <laughs> Please don't make me read it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it just she she really helped me um, write the script, practice the script, come up with possible objections or rejections, um, and work through that. And that was, you know probably the most um valuable thing I got from from the counseling sessions was was going through disclosure and not I mean I've been fortunate that um I haven't faced a lot of rejection or adversity with this yet because I jumped somehow some way into a full-blown relationship (laughs) shortly after being diagnosed um and I I was in counseling with I was in counseling at the time um so I was manned with the tools that I needed to be able to confidently go into this relationship and embrace it but I can't say that there weren't times in starting that relationship that I wasn't like oh like did he really get did he really get that conversation that we had like does he really understand this I you know the the doubt and and the thought to have to revisit it and if I had a breakout how I would have to go back and really make sure do you understand like this is where we're at this is what's going on and um she helped me a lot with that so knock on wood it's I've been I've been really fortunate um but it was a big concern i feel like i'm recalling some negative self-talk around the time of this relationship or i don't know if it was just like you had uh lowered your you you didn't want to be excited it seemed like about (laughs) the possibility of this relationship can you can you speak to like the early on um interactions with this person are you comfortable with that back and I think I I've had this tendency prior to herpes um where I just kind of set my expectations low and hope for the best but really try to be reasonable about it um and so I will downplay any kind of excitement because I just want to make I'm always looking over my shoulder that's just kind of how I've always been um and the herpes diagnosis impacted me in that it was, you know, brought to the forefront a little bit more than usual. I wasn't as confident as I would have been. I was, you know, wasn't as confident in how sustainable a relationship might be because I'm, I'm worried about a, a, an outbreak. You know, and, and once we have to cross that bridge again, you know, maybe it was the excitement at the beginning of the relationship and um, that disclosure didn't really resonate and do they really know is is the thoughts patterns that I was having um, that was holding me back. And um, but yeah, I mean, 
think that's kind of just me. <laughs> so being in a relationship with someone who, as far as we know, does not have a positive herpes status, has any has has therapy been necessary in any way or helpful in any way that allows for you to navigate this relationship without any fear of passing it on or fear of all right well if i give this person herpes i'm going to feel obligated to them or stuck with them um has that even come up for you um well i mean when i disclosed he was like oh okay so i mean i i asked him if he knew like what cold sores were i mean it's it's HSV. He's like, oh yeah, I get cold sores. I was like, okay, well that's what it is. Um, so I think that the fact that I, I, I mean, I doubt he knows whether it's HSV one or HSV two that he has, but, um, the fact that he, at least there is a little bit of common ground, it feels, um, kind of prevented me be super worried about it I I don't know I mean I take medicine to suppress um, outbreaks he's got HSV in some form or fashion and cold sores so there has to be some kind of antibodies um, I would think and I mean initially I was concerned with passing it along um, when we were new, just because, I mean, it's, it's always possible, and it's, it's, kind, it's a big commitment to somebody you, you don't really know. Um, at this point, <laughs> I mean, not that I wouldn't care if I passed it along, but it's just a little less of a concern because it hasn't happened yet. It can always, there's always a chance, um, but I'm pretty confident with where we are right now that, um, and we're safe. I mean, like if I were feeling an outbreak, I, I can be honest about it and we can have our space. And, um, I think we're taking the precautions necessary with what we're comfortable with at least. Now, if I did pass it on, um, I did struggle with, potential guilt, you know, um, and not to say that I wouldn't feel guilty, but also, I mean, you and in therapy drilled in, it's like, okay, but they accepted this. So they are also taking this chance and you are more worried about giving it to them than they apparently are about contracting it. So, um, at this point, I don't have any concerns or minimal concerns, I'd say, um, as we work through it. <laughs> All right. And in therapy, what was or what were some of the more challenging points in your sessions? Did you have any moments in therapy that were like, damn, this is hard or uh, any like enlightening moments for yourself? Probably. <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything 
traumatizing that we had to visit um, that brought tears in my eyes other other than um, you know just working through the disclosure and the possible outcomes but it, it, she kept it really lighthearted and um, really honest with me so uh, again I think it was helpful in a lot of ways, um, but I can't say it was negative in any way or um, anything like that. I didn't struggle with it, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Um, how, if this happened, did your therapist handle this? Um, were there any moments that... Um, you felt triggered at all? I guess this is kind of like a more detailed version of what I'm asking you. Like, were there things that came up that you just felt, you know, like you were in a triggered state? No. Okay. Because I guess I, w I wanted to see how she would have handled something like that. Because I know that oftentimes in support groups, there can be moments where someone might say some off the wall, like unexpected thing. And someone who oversees a support group may not be equipped to handle that, whereas a licensed mental health professional can. And that can often be traumatizing in itself if you're in a group setting and someone goes into their trauma and triggers someone else and they're triggered. And if it's not addressed, it can do more harm than good. So I'm glad that there weren't any moments where you were triggered. But I was curious to see how uh, how like she handled that. So I'm like, this is my way of evaluating the therapist as well by doing these exit interviews uh, with people. So with the conclusion of your therapy, and I know you said that you're considering to continue to do this, um, I guess like how do you see yourself moving forward like 12 sessions that were that helped you work through the disclosure aspect and dealing with navigating the stigma of your diagnosis like what's next for you after having concluded therapy for these things oh, uh, i want to make sure i understand your question how do i see myself continuing therapy yeah when, now that i'm yeah, so like you're out of therapy for herpes, right? So do you now see, like you you said you've been a, a, like an advocate for people having therapy and staying in therapy, their mental health. So I guess I'm curious, like what's next? Like now that herpes has been, quote, dealt with, what would you go into therapy for now? Well, I... I I would still continue. I think that it can still be beneficial as it relates to herpes. I think that it helped um, start it, but I think that it's it's going to be a part of you until they find a cure <laughs> or until they come out with that cure that they have and they're hiding on us. Um, I, I, I think that... You know, it will never not be a part of me, not that it defines me in it in any way. It's just um, something that I will continue to, to deal with, um, whether I'm in a relationship or not, whether, you know. So uh, 
did lose my brother in July. I took a little bit of a break from counseling and I will go back to work through that. When it's not fresh, <laughs> it still feels fresh. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I didn't want to go there. I didn't know how you were feeling. <laughs> um, but are you are you okay? Yeah. Okay. I mean, as well as I can be. Okay. Um, as someone who's completed the 12 sessions, I guess I'm curious to know how can this be better? What can be done different? Like what improvements would you like to see? And then before I forget, um, my next question is going to be, do you have any like uh, advice for someone who might be on the fence about reaching out or telling people what to expect? Because I'll forget the question. <laughs> Hopefully you remember. Well, well, now I forget your first question. Ain't that a, um, no. What could be, what yeah. could be easier? Okay. Um, well, I mean, like I said, you made it, you made it really easy. Um, so in my experience, it, it literally could not have been easier. Um, so I don't have any constructive criticism. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, speaking to anybody who may be on the fence, um, I, I think that everybody needs to move at their own pace. I think it's a case by case situation, but I strongly recommend finding a sense of community or, you know, having support. I started with my mom and then I, um, I think I went to the ex that I thought I might've gotten it from. And then I went to, like, I, I just happened to come, like the stars aligned. I just happened to come across your podcast on, another podcast and then you're in St. Louis and so you and I got connected and um, I think that's when you first connected me to the first therapist. I was able to um, then share with friends and expand you know this community and um, or just my support network and so that was extremely instrumental in me finding peace with this so if anybody's on the fence I know that it's hard and you probably will cry but it's it's worth it to reach out I'm glad that you shared that thank you um I don't have any other questions for you this was really good. I appreciate you sharing as much as you did and going into as much detail as you felt comfortable with in regards to your sessions, next steps, um, and speaking to the process of what it was like to work with something positive for positive people for your therapy, um, for your therapy needs. Go to, no. <laughs> uh, and thank you for trusting me. Like, I feel like we had become friends um, and you've been supportive of not only something positive for positive people, but also me teaching yoga as well as just like <laughs> the move here, um, 
like being able to speak to that like before we had our call so thank you just thank you for being you i hope that you continue to thrive i watch your instagram i know what's going on in your life so um (laughs) exciting things for you and i wish you nothing but the best as you move forward from this oh thank you my friend same to you all right That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, and share this podcast with whoever you feel like can benefit from it. I'm on Instagram at honmychest. It looks like honmychest. And I am on TikTok by my name, Courtney W. Brain, because some jerk, just for whatever reason, just made an account, uh, called it honmychest, and then made it private and they don't do anything at all with it it's just there and taken so not sure what that's about (laughs) but that's the thing so if you want to follow me on tiktok i just read um messages from people in the format where like the pictures behind you and you're in like a selfie video and i just read it out loud like that's literally what i've done so far on tiktok so uh yeah if you want to engage with me i'm on instagram at h on my chest and um yeah you can donate to something positive for positive people by visiting my venmo or cash app at courtney brame it's just all one word i'm the original no special characters courtney brame uh i think that's it yeah that's all i got um and remember sexual health is mental health and um Stay sex positive.